With more screen usage and indoor time, myopia, also known as nearsightedness, is increasing and getting worse in children. Now, certified eye doctors can prescribe MySight one day, the first and only FDA-approved soft contact lens to slow myopia progression in age-appropriate children. Visit coopervision.com to find a Brilliant Futures certified eye doctor near you. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacU Health with Micromycel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromycel technology. OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today. Hello and welcome to the Open Your Eyes podcast. I'm Dr. Kerry Gelb, the host of the documentary Open Your Eyes. There are approximately 9 million cases of irreversible blindness worldwide from glaucoma. Today, in our part three glaucoma episode, we will discuss marijuana. Does it work? Does it not? Patients want to know. We will also discuss strategy for prevention and how you could lower your risk for this blinding disease. In part one, we discussed what causes glaucoma types, eye pressure, infantile glaucoma. In part two, we discuss treatment, tests, and diagnosis. Today, I am welcomed again by Dr. Harvey Fishman, MD, PhD, Stanford-trained ophthalmologist. Harvey, thank you for joining us again. Kerry, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to hang out with you, as always. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. All right, let's get into it. Marijuana. I'm sure your patients in California want to know about marijuana. If marijuana does anything to help people with glaucoma, what do you think? That's a great question. Um, Well, now that marijuana is actually legal in California, uh, nobody really needs a prescription for it. Um, You know, so here's the scoop on marijuana. Um, We do know that uh, in some cases, marijuana can lower the intraocular pressure. we have actually also seen some reports where it actually could increase our intraocular pressure. So it's not 100% across the board. But most importantly, it's not particularly well regulated, not in the sense of, you know, like in terms of the, like the, the quality of, the, of the, um, the dose that you get from N. So the problem with marijuana is, well, there's a couple problems with it. First of all, it, you know, it's, it's not, we're, we're actually looking at, there's a lot of research actually in using the mechanism of marijuana um, to lower pressure as a brand new, like as an eye drop and as an oral me- method. Um, there are some, uh, some interesting research, even at NIH, and, and part of the NIH is the National Eye Institute, NEI, which is part of NIH, that actually does have a marijuana eye drop you know, propo- uh, dr- research going on. So it's not that, it, you know, it is a real, it is the real, that does have a real effect, and there could be some really important things. Uh, the problem with marijuana is, First of all, by smoking marijuana, you put yourself at higher risk for lung disease. And so the risks of lung disease probably outweigh the risk of, you know, the benefit of getting, of using marijuana. Um, the other thing about marijuana is that you have to smoke a lot of it. You have to take a lot of it to get the pressure to 
gallon consistently. And so one of the rear areas of research is to see if you can optimize the, the active molecule of marijuana to, to decrease you know, a more stable fashion, the pressure. One of the problems with, with the glaucoma, we think, um, like lots of diseases, is like bouncing up and down of your pressure could be putting stress on your optic nerve uh, in a way that is deleterious and could cause more damage. And so if you don't, you want a very constant level of drug delivery to your optic nerve and to the whole system. And um, fortunately, marijuana smoking and other just doesn't have that um, consistency. So it's not that it's a necessarily a bad drug, it's just that right now it's just not optimized. And getting a better delivery system in the future could be really interesting. Smoking is really a bad way of, of getting it because of the effects on the lungs. Um, and then also there are side effects of marijuana. Some of them are good <laughs> in terms of relaxing people. And it does a good job for, you know, for pain. And there's all sorts of really interesting aspects, like for instance, in CBD, which is a, the, cap, the cannabinoid, you know, receptor and method and all of the um, research in that area. So there are some really interesting and positive things about uh, the mechanism of marijuana, but the way it's currently used, just smoking, it's bad. It's a bad idea. And in orally ingesting it, um, because of the you know the the changes in your in your sensorium and your thinking, you know that's not necessarily. It can be positive for, for short periods of time for certain anxiety conditions and cancer and nausea and things like that. But you know you, you want something that's not going to have that kind of side effect profile. So once again, Carrie, very long answer very circuitous way of getting to your question. Remember, you could, you could just shake me and say, Fishman, get to the answer. Don't stop this other stuff. I like to talk, so whatever. Hopefully people- uh, You're doing a great job. Hopefully people will be okay with all this. The endocannabinoid uh, receptor is in a lot of different parts of the eye. Yes. So that's what it's being used, uh, how marijuana is being used now. There's a ratio between the THC and the CBD do we know what the correct ratio is for glaucoma? I don't, <laughs> and I'm not sure we do. I mean, I don't know if you have, that's definitely beyond my pay grade. I haven't, you know, that's an area that we, you know, that I'm not, you know, I haven't been doing research in that area, so I don't really know much of the, um, the mechanisms at this point. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna pass on that question, but we do know that, I mean, it's a definitely an area of research that is gonna be, you know, helpful. Yeah, I don't think anyone really knows. Uh, in New Jersey, they're using around four to one uh, as the ratio. And I actually had about three patients that, you know, couldn't tolerate any of the traditional conventional medicines. Yes. They wanted to be on uh, marijuana. Yes. And as you know, it only lasts about three or maybe four hours. So they have mm -hmm. to kind of smoke it six to eight times a day. And, you know, they get loopy. And of the three people that were on it, uh, all three discontinued because of the side effects. They didn't like the side effects. And that is consistent with some of the studies of a small study of nine patients who were on it orally mm -hmm. and uh, discontinued because they didn't like the side effects. Right. You know, I don't know if you've had any patients that have been on it and what your experience is with it. Well, I, I haven't prescribed it for the use of lowering the pressure. Uh, I've never done that in my career. Um, you know, initially because of the fact that it was, you know, I, I didn't want to get into the prescribing, you know, drugs at that point. Now that it's legal, um, I still haven't really gotten into that. I really, you know, again, um, you know, when people bring it up, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I kind of give them the data and they can kind of try it. Um, I have, you know, I do have some patients who, uh, you know, California does 
seems that we do have a lot of people who use uh, marijuana recreationally, and some of the patients who have glaucoma in my practice do do use it recreationally, I suspect. Um, and some of those patients, you know, um, seem to have good pressures, but it's hard to know, you know, you know what their uh, baseline is. It's just really a uncontrolled, um, you know, thing. And that, I think that's one of the problems with you know, some of these alternative techniques that we're going to get into, which is that we know that a lot of these alternative or alternative medicine things, we, we do, there's a lot of evidence that these things actually work. Um, but the whole reason the pharmaceutical industry and, you know, the whole reason that, you know, prescriptions came about was that they took natural products or things like marijuana and other, um, other alternative uh, methods, and they were able to extract out the exact you know, what they thought or what we think is the exact, you know, chemical or bioactive molecule in any of these products. And then we, you can sell, you can produce it, mass produce it in a very controlled fashion and give it to people. Um, and, you know, so that's sort of one of the difficulties of medicine today is that we're, as physicians, and we're just so stuck in, you know, saying, hey, you know, if it's not a pharmaceutical, you can't use it. And, um, and for the large part, the reason that we do that is because we can do more controlled clinical studies on, on things and we can be more, you know, be more precise, you know, giving this a precise amount, but this precise dosing, and we can see what happens and to the, to the, you know, to the effect on the patient. And so when you start using things like marijuana and other things that we'll talk about, it's less precise. And so physicians, um, you know, and doctors tend to be, you know, we tend to want to be precise. We tend to want to use data to, to make our judgments. And it's very hard to make judgments on, on things that don't have, that aren't well controlled in terms of, not only well controlled in terms of the, the usage or the concentration, but also in the production of it. So that's really where the, some of the challenges are in medicine. And yet some of the great advances in medicine today, I think, will be made in areas that we don't have current products. And that's where we need to, you know, open, we need to open our eyes, so to speak, to other ways that seem to be healthy and happy and, and safe to, to augment some of the, you know, treatments that we have certainly in, in sort of the way I call the Western medicine model. The three patients I had were prescribed marijuana by a specific doctor who was licensed because in New Jersey, you have to be, have a specific license to be able to prescribe marijuana. Right, right. And he referred to me to follow those patients. The one thing I'm always concerned about is marijuana can lower blood pressure. Mm. Well, and that, I'm always worried about perfusion to the optic nerve. Yeah, so that we, we kind of got into that a little bit. Um, and actually, we didn't get into it enough in our first show about the mechanism of the glaucoma. But, you know, one of the things that I, again, my expression is that glaucoma is a little bit like, in, in terms of blood pressures, like the Goldilocks principle. Um, you know, if one of the mechanisms of glaucoma seems to be a vascular one, meaning that the, the vasculature, the blood flow to the optic nerve has to be enough to, to keep the cells alive, like the rest of our tissue, you need to perfuse the tissue with, with blood. And one of the possibilities when the pressure goes too high, it's actually constricting the blood flow um, or other mechanisms uh, where the blood, if the blood pressure, if the optic, if the pressure is too high or your blood pressure, um, uh, well, the eye, eye pressure can affect the local blood pressure to the optic nerve, but, but the systemic blood pressure is just the overall blood perfusion to the optic nerve. And so people who have high blood pressure tend to have 
um, hardened arteries and the, the, the vasculature tends to be narrower, so they tend to get lower amount of perfusion to the optic nerve, but the optic nerve doesn't care whether that perfusion is low because of constricted blood vessels versus just low blood pressure like you're alluding to with, 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 uh, with uh, marijuana. So like I have very low blood pressure and so like, you know, it's the Goldilocks principle. You don't want it, the blood pressure too high because it, it narrows the vessels that supply the optic nerve and you don't want it too low because if it's too low, you're still not getting oxygenation. You're not perfusing the optic nerve. And so that's one of the concerns of, of um, marijuana. And by the way, we didn't really talk about it, but people who are on like beta blockers and other you know, medicines that lower blood pressure um, can really, if the blood pressure is too low, that can be really, that can really affect um, optic nerve health. And sadly enough, when we give one of the, one of the, you know, drops we give, which is a beta blocker, we give a beta blocker to lower the eye pressure, but some of the systemic side effects of blood, of the beta blocker could be lowering blood pressure, and that may not be good. So you can see it's a very complex problem. Um, doing one thing could actually affect the other thing. So it's an example, like, you know, it might lower the pressure, but then your blood pressure might go too low. In that case, it might even be a worse effect on the optic nerve than actually the effect of the pressure. Right. You could lose oxygen, oxygen to the optic nerve, and that would be an issue. Definitely. So uh, when we, we talk about medication uh, in our last uh, podcast, we want to make sure that people understand that if you have glaucoma and you're prescribed medication by your doctor, you want to take that medication because we know that eye drops work for glaucoma and that will lower your risk of going blind. So we're gonna talk about some alternative treatments, but in no way are we wanna give the impression that this is instead of taking the eye drops. You could use this with the eye drops, you could use this maybe to prevent from getting glaucoma, but if you're prescribed eye drops, we don't want anyone to stop their eye drops. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, and I, you know, it's, it's, it's like everything in medicine, you, you know, you don't want to be on either, you don't want to be the extreme on either side. You don't want to be the person who is only going for alternative things where there's nothing else. And you don't want to be necessarily the doctor who only believes that pharmaceuticals from the pharmaceutical company is the only way to go. Um, I think that you need to take a hybrid approach and you need to be intelligent and you look at the data and you need to, you know, da use data-driven um, uh, methods to, to prescribe you know, Western drops that we know work. And then if you can get an additional benefit for some of the things that we'll talk about here, then that's great. Um, and it's important. So let's start with exercise. How does exercise help with uh, glaucoma? So this is a great question. Um, we know that there are many, many studies showing that doing exercise, regular exercise for different amounts of time can, can, can lower your intraocular pressure by a few points. Not necessarily dramatic, but it's, it can it can definitely lower the pressure, and that is consistent with the benefits of exercise. I mean, I don't need to tell people that exercise is good for you. It is good for you. We know, you know, that the the, the some of the exercise physiologists had said um, that like fifty percent of disease across the board, Carrie, fifty percent of disease across the board can be reduced just by. Um, high levels of exercise. Now, the problem is obviously exercise is not always easy for a lot of people who may have musculoskeletal issues. They may have the, not the time, their job may prevent it, their family lifestyle may prevent it. You know, they may not like exercising. So those are, those are all some of the, a lot of the barriers to exercise. But if you can exercise, it's one of the greatest things you can do uh, for your health. And, um, you know, this is not like a newsflash, but it mean, but, you know, for instance, 
uh, going back to the basic mechanism of glaucoma uh, is that, you know, again, it's not pressure related. And that's just, it's, not a, it's not a pressure diagnosis. It's an optic nerve disease. It's a disease of that, you know, that bundle of fibers, the bundle of threads, the coax cable, which is the optic nerve from your eyeball to your brain. And that is a nerve. It's a bunch of nerves. And we know that a glaucoma is a, basically a form of neurodegenerative disease. It's just like everything else in our body. It's a nerve, and this nerve can get damaged over time. And in fact, most of our nerves in glaucoma do actually, over time, we do lose part of the nerves um, just through the normal aging process, just like our brain degenerates. And these neurodegenerative diseases, glaucoma being one of them, obviously Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, and a whole host of other neurodegenerative diseases, we know, at least in the case of that there are you know, like with Alzheimer's disease, for instance, we know that, that doing exercise is one of the main, main ways of preventing neurodegenerative decline. So just like in Alzheimer's disease, we're doing exercise is critical to keeping your brain healthy. Uh, same thing is true with glaucoma. Exercise is incredibly, incredibly important with that, with, uh, with glaucoma uh, and doing it. But, but, but like everything, you have to be smart about the type of exercise you do. And like, for instance, um, it turns out that doing inverted exercises, so if you're doing an inverted type of, a, of, a, of an exercise where you're actually increasing the pressure to your eye through the, through the exercise, that probably is not a good idea. And so like we have some patients who like to do inverted exercise and they have glaucoma and I usually recommend that's not a great, great thing. You, want, you don't want to increase the pressure to your eye by, doing, like, by going upside down. Um, there are other things that can actually cause pressure to increase. And sadly enough, one of my absolute favorite things in the whole world is swimming. And there's some really interesting data showing that your intraocular pressure can go up quite a bit with some goggles, certain goggle types. So you have to be careful when you swim um, to make sure that the goggles you use don't increase your pressure. And that's a loaded question. But the main thing for swimming, just because I happen to be a swimmer, is that you got to make sure that the goggles uh, fit around the eye. They're as large as possible. Don't actually press on the eye. Um, as a competitive swimmer, I use the, the Swedish goggles. And unfortunately, uh, some of the early things that we've done with Swedish goggles have found that that can, can increase your pressure quite a bit. But exercise is a critical, critical, critical. Not only does it uh, seem to be lowering your pressure, and, and actually, not only does it lower your pressure, but it also seems to have a neuroprotective effect because the, it's like with Alzheimer's disease, and we think that Alzheimer's disease is an inflammatory disease of the brain, and that may also very much be the case of glaucoma, that the optic nerve gets inflamed, and by having better vasculature, we seem to think the data looks really promising that that produces progression of glaucoma. And there's some studies that show that a tight necktie could actually raise the pressure. Right, you so know. that's, an, it's, a great it's a great point, and like, you know, I stopped wearing a necktie in my practice because I, first of all, I hate things around my neck and I don't even wear a neck. The only time I've worn a necktie was at, was at a, as a, an event that I have to go to. Like, I think the only two times I've worn a necktie in the last 20 years has been my, my kid's bar and bar mitzvah. <laughs> but, but the reality is that uh, you're right. The necktie can, can reduce the blood flow, or excuse me, can reduce the venous return. So blood goes into your brain, it has to come out. And so, uh, a necktie can reduce that flow out and it can increase the blood pressure. And people have shown that that, that can actually cause problems with, uh, can be a risk factor for glaucoma. So, so if anybody ever sees me in clinic, um, they say, hey, Dr. Fishman, why aren't you wearing a tie? I can say, I'm just trying to protect myself against glaucoma. 
And what time of the day does the eye pressure use, is usually the highest? Yeah, so we have a chronobiology of the eye. And so um, the eye pressure uh, tends to be the highest in the morning, uh, but it can also be, some people actually can be in the afternoon. But um, one of the theories about, well, there's a lot of theories about why pressure is higher in the morning, but that's one of them. So that's the other reason, that, is that your- Eye pressure, like when you're sleeping and you're in a prone position, a lot of times it'll go up. But wine rip showed that. Right, and the thing that's interesting is that, you know, one of the reasons, one of the things that can happen is that you can, there's one of the questions um, about normal, like what we call normal tension or normal pressure eye uh, glaucoma um, is that, Normal pressure glaucoma, as we talked about in our first show, is where you can have totally normal eye pressures and yet still have glaucoma. So it goes back to what I've been harping on this whole time, which is glaucoma is a disease of the optic nerve. It's not a pressure disease. Um, and that's one of the reasons that this part of the show is so important because we need to be protecting the optic nerve. We need to do things that are going to protect the, the, the optic nerve and not just focus on pressure. But, but with that being said, when you measure pressure during the day, um, if you always measure the pressure, if you're always having your pressure measured in the morning, um, you may be being surprised. You may be being, you may be in a situation where your pressure tends to be high in the morning. And if you are, are even low in the morning and high in the afternoon, it depends. Different people have different um, times of the day where their pressure spikes. So you could be, the ophthalmologist, optometrist could be being tricked into believing that you have normal pressures, but you just have normal pressure in the morning. And, and when they, if they were to see you in the afternoon, you know, maybe your pressures would be higher and vice versa and vice versa. So, and with exercise, the studies show about 150 minutes uh, a week to lower right. the eye pressure somewhere about 18%. So exercise is definitely a thumbs up. Let's go on to the next one. How about meditation? What are some of the studies that we found with meditation in lowering glaucoma? And I think that similarly, meditation does uh, lower eye pressure and um, in, in some studies it showed that it does and that may be a blood pressure effect it may be a vasodilation effect we don't know but meditation reduces also the um, the stress uh, we know that you can you get lower cortisol levels and so the stress hormones um, that we produce you know definitely affect um, our tissues it affects the optic nerve it can affect pressure so, you know, when you, when your pressure, when you're stressed out and your blood pressure goes up and you have a lot of tension, um, your intraocular pressure can go up. And also it may improve, it may be also increasing inflammatory uh, molecules in your body. And, you know, one of the, one of the studies actually that uh, were, has been done, I don't know if it's okay to talk to you a little bit about the gut, but one of the, one of the things about the gut, they, they've shown that, that there are these stress hormones that um, can negatively affect the gut uh, microbiome. And then of course the microbiome of the gut actually has been shown to uh, directly affect whether somebody can get glaucoma. There's actually some interesting studies where by removing certain gut microbiome, even when the pressure of these experimental mice models were when the pressure was raised in, in these mice, it turns out that they, uh, if they didn't have certain gut microbiome, they wouldn't get glaucoma and they, they think that part of the mechanism is that the, the gut uh, sensitizes your immune system. Certain bacteria in your gut sensitizes your immune system. And that when the pressure goes up, your uh, eye pressure starts sending out signals of SOS health signals and that your immune system comes in and actually in, a, in what is supposed to be helping the body actually hurts and, and actually damages and you get an autoimmune reaction in the, in the eye and the optic nerve. That's one of the theories. Um, there are these so-called heat shock protein 
proteins that get expressed in your optic nerve when you have the um, when you get high pressures and by changing the microbiome of your gut um, you can prevent these heat shock proteins to be causing the immune system to cause your optic nerve to die off so long story short that meditation can be an important not only important for the gut but just overall for your general systemic health and in the studies they had 90 patients for medit that underwent meditation and they checked their pressure and it showed they lowered the pressure by about five points. So meditation could be very effective. That's amazing. And you're right. And it's, it's, it's just like really important. It's really important. But that doesn't mean we should stop taking our drops. If you're already diagnosed and you have glaucoma. And right. And tells you otherwise. Right. So, I mean, we're going to keep coming back to that. We want to, we want to deal with what we know, the science, well-controlled clinical studies, with uh, you know eye drops that we know reduces the risk of glaucoma and prevention, and then like for instance, you know anything else you can do that's going to potentially help, and there's some science behind it, and it's worth doing. Like so, you know, we know meditation is good for lots of things in your body. We know it's good to reduce all sorts of disease states, uh, stress, anxiety, blood pressure, things like that. And so it makes a lot of sense to add that. So it goes to what, like what, I, what I'd like to talk about, which is by, by treating and making your eye health better, you make your systemic health better. And this is an example of that. Macu Health, your science-born and tested solutions for visual performance, macular degeneration, and dry eye syndrome. New products coming soon. Embrace the science. And let's talk about green vegetables. Ann Coleman did a study a number of years ago who's an epidemiologist and I believe an ophthalmologist. And she showed that people who had diets high in green veg vegetables, high in lutein and zeaxanthin, decreased their risk of glaucoma by about 30 to 40%. Yeah, Ann Coleman is one of the greats. She's at UCLA. She's a glaucoma specialist. She's brilliant. I, I think I can't say enough about how wonderful she is to our field. Um, and there's, yeah, the, the, that study was really interesting. And again, it gets to one of the things that we know about, which is that, you know, if you, if you had one thing that you were going to eat and you could only eat one thing, dark leafy green vegetables would be the greatest thing for your eyes. Um, we know that the effects, uh, have of these, um, uh, carotenoids and these zeaxanthin containing, uh, vegetables and fruits and, and so forth, or uh, vegetables and foods are just have just really good anti-inflammatory and good properties to our to our body. We know we're not talking about macular degeneration, but we know that for AMD, that that the mainstay of treatment uh, before you know before any kind of uh, invasive stuff is to increase the greens, and so those are incredibly important to eat. And I mean, it's like much of our many of our diseases in in our in our in our life um you know can be averted or at least improved uh or treated with some addition of better diet and i mean problem is that we all love the magic pill we love the magic drop but those things only you know mitigate what we're already causing and the underlying cause of a lot of our diseases and a lot of our problems today um, are from our diets and our lack of exercise and so that's a a great point that we really, really want to make sure that we're eating a lot of good greens and that, and we're going to talk about some other things, I assume, like nitric oxide releasing uh, vegetables um, and different vegetables that have good components of anti-inflammatory properties like tomatoes and, and beets and things like that. So we talked about last podcast about Visalta, which has a compound in it that increases nitric oxide to help lower the pressure. 
green vegetables increase nitric oxide along with garlic and chocolate and pomegranate and watermelon. So talk about nitric oxide. Right, so nitric oxide, just say no, it's like what we talked about, uh, is a vasodilator. And we have known about nitric oxide forever, right? We've, we've you know, remember the old nitro patch, nitroglycerin? So, you know, when, 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 uh, when you used to have a heart attack or you would have chest pain, you would take a nitro, put the nitro on, uh, take a nitro pill. And that, what that does is it vasodilates the coronary arteries so you don't get chest pain because of coronary artery disease. Um, and so we know that, that vasodilation is an important mechanism uh, for increasing vasculature to different organs and tissues and the optic nerve in the eye is no different. And so what you wanna do is you wanna eat vegetables that uh, either contain uh, or produce nitric oxide intracellularly, cellular, 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 cellularly. <laughs> That's a mouthful. You're gonna cut that out of the podcast, you can keep it, I don't care. Uh, but, uh, um, but yeah, you want to, you want to eat those sort of things. And, you know, since I've learned about these things, I personally, um, I try to eat a pound of spinach a day. You know, I don't usually get to that, but I try to eat a pound of spinach and that's hard, but well, actually spinach is pretty easy because, you know, it cooks down pretty quickly, but I will take, uh, I, I buy, you know, from the store, a big thing of spinach and I try to have a huge amount of spinach for lunch every day. It's interesting because in my office, and I know you also have it, there's that macular pigment optical density uh, test. And one of the things that we can do as uh, clinicians is we can actually measure people's levels of uh, pigment that they're getting in their eyes uh, from the foods they eat through this device called the MPOD. And it's funny because the MPOD device, which I really like, um, and I don't like the business model necessarily of MPOD, but I like the fact that, you know, I use it more just as a vegetable meter. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's great. It tells us about our carotenoids. I mean, you know, uh, it's the best we have. I, there is an instrument in, in uh, Europe uh, that will measure macular pigment objectively, but we don't have that right now in the United States. It's not approved. And hopefully we'll get something like that uh, soon. But right now we have to use a subjective measure and it measures the amount of pigment in the back of the eye, which is directly related to the amount of green vegetables that we eat, the lutein and the zeaxanthin, and that whether or not lutein converts to mesozeaxanthin. So, and we're talking about nitric oxide, I mentioned before, watermelon. Watermelon has citrulline that converts to L-arginine that converts to nitric oxide. So watermelon is a, is a great uh, fruit to eat in, in the all, all times of the year, I know it has a lot of sugar in it, but in moderation to increase nitric oxide. So that, that very important gas in the body as a protection. Yeah, it's really important that, you know, when, when you have any disease, you need to hit it in a multifactorial, a multi-angle multi way. You need to go at it different ways. I mean, if you have, you know, Alzheimer's disease or you have neurodegenerative disease or you have heart disease or you have whatever, you're not going to just rely on one mechanism to treat it. You're gonna use as many different modalities as you can to, to improve the, 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 the disease. And I think that with glaucoma um, in particular, since it's such a complex disease and it's, it's, nerve, it's a neuro disease, a neuro, you know, neurologically based disease, I think that you have to you know, really you know, eat well and you have to you know, think about some of these really important vegetables and fruits that you can eat that can enhance your ability. Again, like what we said, you don't hold your hat, you know, you don't necessarily um, uh, use that in, in exclusion of our Western drops that we have, it, but it's in addition to it. 
And, you know, the goal is, I mean, one of the things about glaucoma, it's a, and we talked about this uh, in terms of diagnosis, it's that you have, it's a progressive disease. And it's like, it's a little bit like Alzheimer's in the sense that it's a lot like Alzheimer's is that, you know, you know, you're not necessarily going to stop it. Um, and you're not necessarily going to stop glaucoma once it gets started um, because glaucoma by definition is loss of nerve tissue. And um, we always lose nerve tissue. Uh, you can't not lose nerve tissue in general uh, in any part of our body. So, you know, saying that you can completely halt glaucoma is equivalent to saying that you can stop aging because essentially when we age, we just lose nerve tissue. Uh, it may not be at a very high rate, but we lose it. And with glaucoma, same thing is that, you know, we're not trying, it's impossible to stop loss of nerve tissue because we all have loss of nerve tissue. So some of the, when you get glaucoma, you may have a faster loss of that nerve tissue. And that's also true with, you know, with neurodegenerative diseases like Parkinson's and with Alzheimer's. So the goal of these diseases is to limit the amount of nerve damage you have so that it doesn't affect you know, your, you know, doesn't affect your, your quality of life. At the end of the day, you can have a little glaucoma, a little visual field loss, dementia, you can have some loss, not dementia, but you can have some loss of brain tissue, but you can still function quite well. And it's not a death, you know, it's not a death knoll, whatever. It's not, you're not blinding somebody with a little visual field loss. You're not causing somebody to get totally demented when they have a little loss of neurocognitive, you know, function. But the idea is that you want to do everything you can to slow that down and hopefully that you can live your whole life without having a visual field loss from glaucoma that causes uh, a loss of you know functionality in your life or a loss of you know the that actually affects your your quality of life and so that's why bringing in these different modalities you want to do everything you can to extend the life of your nerves that toward you know that you don't have a loss of function and that's why you know if you have and you know that's why if you have glaucoma and you have these you know you're taking these drops don't just stop there right use other modalities to 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 keep that nerve healthy use the fruits you talked about watermelon you know you eat beets um eat um you know eat lots of greens those are the things that are going to keep that optic nerve healthy and and prevent it from decaying faster than your life dark chocolate are you a chocolate lover you know that's a great question i do like chocolate i don't want to get any haters out there because i don't like chocolate i do like chocolate but it's interesting I, when i was a kid actually my mom had celiac disease and they thought i was going to get celiac disease and that at the time back in the 60s they thought uh, early 70s they thought uh, that celiac disease uh, was caused by chocolate wow so so i actually grew up i actually grew up uh, not eating a lot of chocolate and a lot of vanilla um i'm a vanilla kind of guy i guess but um but but yeah but so i do like chocolate but i try and i try to eat dark chocolate because of the uh, benefits of chocolate how dark can you go can you uh, handle how dark can i go can you 100 percent? <laughs> i could do 100 percent. i mean i i actually i like the darker chocolate more than the sweeter stuff for some reason so i have like a little tip so I, I love dark chocolate 100%, and I add a little D-ribose to it, goji berries, mulberries. Mm. It's a very, very healthy goji berries has, has, uh, has zeaxanthin in it, which is very yes. good for the, uh, yes. the eyes. And D-ribose powder 
Uh, Corvalin is a very good brand uh, from Douglas Labs, but only add a little bit of it. They use actually use D-ribose in Europe for uh, for uh, patients that have heart failure, but it but it it, ha it uh, D-ribose increases ATP, but you have to be careful because if you take it at night, it could keep you up at night and you have to watch for palpitations if you take too much of it. But a little D-ribose with the dark chocolate with, with uh, goji berries and mulberries, which, uh, which are very, very, uh, very, very good for you. Yeah, so had, when we've done some other work together, I, you, you're, you've shared some of that with me, it's delicious. <laughs> so let's talk about green tea uh, or teas in general. There's been some studies that show that tea could decrease the risk of glaucoma by about 18%, but it's not by lowering pressure. It's by the flavonoids. It's by, it's by a neuroprotective effect. Right. And that's another point that's really important to make, which is that, you know, ultimately, uh, you know, you want to treat the organ. You want to treat the organ that's damaged. You don't want to be doing, I mean, obviously re reducing risk by lowering pressure and doing the other things, but if there's something you can do that actually treats the organ itself, actually regenerates the tissue or actually acts as a neuroprotectant, that's a really important modality. And one of my things in my practice, Carrie, is I, I hate chasing uh, like the, you know, the side effects of different, like for instance, in dry eye, we're not going to talk about it, but I always talk about like, People are always like throwing different drops at people to chase the inflammation. But what you really want to do is you want to treat the underlying disorder, you know, and in case of glaucoma, you want to use a neuroprotective. So flavonoids are excellent. I hope that works because I drink a ton of coffee. Well, I got bad news for you because coffee didn't work. And yeah, tea didn't work. It had a caffeinated tea and you had to drink uh, like three or four cups during the day, but it did decrease the risk. So I think that's really, that's really pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, I, I brought that up because I knew you were going to throw that in. <laughs> Let's talk about vitamin C. Vitamin C does lower eye pressure. Yep, same thing. It does, it has an effect on eye ascorbic acid, uh, does lower eye pressure. And again, it's a good, it's a good supplement. Um, we get a lot of vitamin C in our diet through different methods. And one of the things is that, you know, one of the questions is, you know, how much do you need? Um, and, you know, because a lot of times people take high doses of, of these different vitamins. You just pee it out. You're just making, it's a lot, a lot of people say very expensive urine. <laughs> and so you want to be, you know, it, it, you know, I think that, you know, the, all these supplements and all these things that we talk about, you know, it's important to sort of be science-based. And there's a lot of studies that are, it's difficult. Nutrition is one of the most difficult um, topics to study. It, it's notoriously difficult. And, you know, throughout my career and your career, you know, we've seen people go 180 degrees on different things. Like it was good 10 years ago, now it's bad and so forth. No, they're really tough studies to do. Um, a lot of the studies have shown that a lot of these supplements just don't work very well or they haven't been able to show benefit, but it also could be how the study was performed and it could be this, the way these study designs. And of course, study designs are very, are very uh, inaccurate or not inaccurate, but they're just not done in an intelligent way um, or they're trying to find the result that they think they want to find. But yes, I mean, so, you know, you want to have vitamin C in your diet and I'm not saying go out and like, you know, take like the crazy huge doses of it but you know i think it's it's like everything you need a certain amount just to you know you want to make sure you're not deficient in vitamin c yeah i mean that was a 1700 patient study that showed that it did lower the pressure and there were two other studies that confirmed it so let's move on from uh vitamin c to coq10 
Yeah. So something that you're very interested, CoQ10, just like the ribose, increases ATP. What do you think about CoQ10? Yeah, it's an important mitochondrial uh, component of the cells. And it's one of those um, things that you can actually, a lot of people actually have CoQ10 uh, deficiency because of the Lipitor they take. But to, excuse me, I shouldn't, shouldn't you know, uh, you know, put one of the molecules out, but all the, the statins can actually deplete your, um, can deplete your CoQ10 level. And it's important to make sure that, for instance, if you're on uh, a statin that you, that you have, um, that you know, you've spoken to your doctor, of course, but it's important to take a CoQ10 supplement in, in principle. And, uh, it, and CoQ10 is actually, you know, is a, is part of the mitochondrial pathway. And it's important to basically, uh, to it, it, another component that you could do to, to help, um, you know, to help lower your risk of uh, degenerative uh, optic nerve disease. And it's found to be neuroprotective as well to help the ret retinal ganglion cells. That's right. What, what kind of foods would you, what kind of foods contain CoQ10 or how much of a, if you do take a supplement, how many milligrams would you recommend? You know, um, there are a lot of foods, you know, it's found, it's, it, it, there's a lot of diverse plant animal sources of it. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to say something that may not be great. Pork. <laughs> Parsley, avocado, pork. Yeah. Yeah, so there, there, you know, there's some good dietary sources like beef and pork and chicken, um, and then vegetable oils, parsley. You know, avocados are great are great for CoQ10. So those are are good are all good you know sources. Um, and you know, I think that uh, um, you know, you, you know, one of the things that you know you have to also be concerned about. There are some side effects. Um, of these uh, of oral CoQ10, and that could be some nausea, uh, some vomiting. You can get you know, but anything you take can cause side effects. You got to be be careful about that. And if you take a supplement, I think a hundred uh, milligram supplement is fine to take. I think so. Uh, if you're taking but, a statin, sometimes the cardiologist will recommend higher than that, up to three hundred uh, milligrams a day. That's so, right. So uh, CoQ10 is something that you know people like and uh, seems to help them. So let's talk about calcium and iron supplements. Both of which, right. What yeah, could so, that do? Right, so calcium, people who have good oral and cal good oral calcium and, and iron can also reduce uh, intraocular pressure, which we know about. Right, so if, you have, if you're taking dietary calcium and iron, that could be helpful, but if you're taking oral calcium and iron, that could actually increase your risk That's of right. glaucoma. So don't, so, Unless your doctor recommends you take calcium and iron, be careful because that could increase your risk of glaucoma. That's a trick question. So that's a trick question because dietary is good. And what are some foods that are in dietary that you could get calcium in? Uh, so green vegetables, uh, nuts and seeds. These are some ways that you could get dietary calcium. Iron is typically red meat is where you would get uh, iron or shellfish like clams or oysters or something like that yeah so, uh, so that you know those are interesting these are interesting little tidbits that we could use to help prevent us or may help us prevent us from getting glaucoma and if you have it maybe an adjunct to the drops that you're taking again we don't want anyone to stop their drops we want them to follow their doctor's orders but these are some things that may be able to help and of course a healthy diet is always something that we recommend that's right i mean it's like well it's like what i say i harp and i tell my patients all the time 
is that by making your eyes healthier, we're going to be making your systemic health healthier. And then that also then in turn makes your, your eyes healthier. So it's a, it's, it, you know, it's a Trojan horse to your, to your systemic health by making your eyes healthier. And I mean, nobody is going to criticize you or me or anybody else by saying you need to have a better diet and that, you know, can improve your potential of having less vision loss from glaucoma or other diseases. Well, I want to thank Dr. Harvey Fishman for joining me on part three, part three for our gla part three glaucoma, glaucoma episode, uh, episode. It's hard to get it out with, with so much talking here. Part three of our glaucoma series of episodes. Thank you, <laughs> Harvey Fishman. If somebody wants to find more about you, they want to learn more about Dr. Harvey Fishman, how can they do it? Well, first of all, they can find me on my website, www.fishmanvision.com. They can find me at my Twitter handle, which is at drfishman. Um, I also have an Instagram channel, Fishman Vision, and I'm starting a podcast myself called uh, iChat with Dr. Harv. Uh, we have a YouTube video. And we have a, a starting a podcast. You can find me there talking about interesting topics, and you'll hear me and you on that uh, as well. And uh, maybe eventually there's going to be a YouTube uh, channel video that we're going to talk about. So you'll find us on that, too. I don't know if you want to mention that. Is that four you? Eyes. Four eyes. On four eyes. I'm excited about that, too. So, Carrie, thank you so much for this opportunity. Uh, you are such a gift uh, to the ophthalmic community uh, and also the medical community, doing what you're doing and, you know, basically... Uh, assisting everybody of you know understanding how to make your health better and how to make your eyes better and I can't thank you enough for all the work that you're doing and and as a plug to your film and what you're doing with open your eyes is just it's phenomenal I'm just so so happy to have even just a small part of being part of that that's terrific well thank you Harvey for open your eyes I'm Dr. Kerry Gell until next time thank you for watching OIE Broadcasting is the emerging leader in social media. We use scientific entertainment to drive more patients into your office. Visit OIEBroadcasting.com and sign up today. Your eyes and your vision are under attack, damaging blue light from the sun. Your phone, your computer, your tablet, even light bulbs and car headlights is constantly bombarding you. The good news is our eyes actually already have a line of defense to counter the effects of blue light. This defense is made up of three pigments called carotenoids. MacuHealth with Micromicel, the only supplement with the exclusive patent on all three macular carotenoids and Micromicel technology. Fitting multifocal contact lenses presents a big opportunity to meet patient needs while growing your practice. Alcon is your partner, not only with our innovative portfolio, but through e-learning. Learn to enhance your multifocal strategy today with the Alcon Experience Academy. Each generation was supposed to be healthier than the last one. Lifespan was supposed to be increasing. We were supposed to be in this paradise by now. Instead of getting healthier and healthier, it seems to have gone the opposite way. Millennials were projected to be the first generation in history to not outlive the generation before them. We are certainly headed for disaster. I think a lot of people are beginning to question the whole story. We live in a time where the paradigms are shifting. 
and the optometrist, in my opinion, is one of the best kept secrets. The public doesn't realize about going to the eye doctor. So many different diseases actually manifest in the eye. The back of the eye is the only place in the body that you could actually see the blood vessels. Completely non-invasively, you can screen thousands of people, not just for their eye health, but for their whole body health. Because this disease is here, it's also gonna be here. And I can look into the back of my eyeball and there are expert doctors on the ground who are looking at my eyeball while I'm doing it. The eye is the canary of the mind. The eye is the kingdom. Will everyone please Since I bought Safe For You, my dad makes me clean his boat. It's natural y es un buen producto. Every time I go back to school, my mom always makes sure that I have my Safe For You products. I bring extra and my roommates certainly don't mind. It's a good thing I had Safe For You to clean up after this little guy. When my hands get dry, I like to wash them with Safe For You. And most importantly, the reason why I buy Safe For You is because it's safe for me and you.